Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And we have a great program for you today. Reading the Old Testament can seem like exploring an old mysterious mansion packed with all sorts of strange rooms. The creation room, vast and sublime. The exodus room with hard-hearted pharaohs and dried up seas. The war room with bloody swords and crumbling walls. The tabernacle room with smoking altars and dark inner sanctums. What does this odd and ancient world have to do with us, who are modern followers of Jesus? As it turns out, everything, every chapter in the Old Testament in a variety of ways tells the story that culminates in Jesus, the Messiah. What Christians today call the Old Testament is what Jesus and the earliest believers simply called the Scriptures. That was their Bible. From its pages, they taught about the Messiah's divine nature, his priestly work, his ministry of salvation. In his new book, The Christ Key, Chad Bird will reintroduce readers to these old books as ever-fresh, ever-new testimonies of Jesus. By the end, you will see even Leviticus, yes, even Leviticus, as a book of grace and mercy, and you will hear in the Psalms the resounding voice of Christ. Chad Bird is a scholar-in-residence at 1517. He holds master's degrees from Concordia Theological Seminary and Hebrew Union College. He served as a pastor, professor, and guest lecturer in Old Testament and Hebrew. Chad has authored several books. He speaks regularly at conferences and congregations and co-hosts the popular podcast, 40 Minutes in the Old Testament. Chad and his wife, Stacy make their home in Texas, where they have been blessed with four children and three grandchildren. And lo and behold, he's here to talk about his new book, The Christ Key, Unlocking the Centrality of Christ in the Old Testament. Chad Bird, welcome to the For the Church podcast. Thanks, Jared. It's great to be on. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah. How, how you been, man? So you were, were you traveling recently? I feel like you're always traveling. You're always like in a boat. <laughs> you're always like going up the Amazon or something. I don't know. And I have this romantic vision of you as an adventurer for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like I'm always traveling. In fact, uh, my my son is home from the Naval Academy and oh. uh, he has a little time off. So we're actually headed to the Smoky Mountains on Sunday. Of course. And we're going to, yeah, we're going to do some, uh, some backcountry camping, okay. which will be fun. Yeah. It's a, uh, and uh, yeah, we, so we live right outside San Antonio, which okay. is always hot down here from April till September. So you probably saw us floating, not down the Amazon, but the, uh, the Guadalupe river. Okay. <laughs> and a lot of snakes. Yeah. I mean, so I'm from Texas. I'm not from that area. Of t- I'm from, you know, the Houston area and from the Rio Grande Valley area. Um, but like where you're at hill country, right. It's all I think of is snakes. I there a lot of snakes there. Oh yeah, yeah. We've got plenty of snakes. We got rattlesnakes. We got water moccasins. Oh brother! <laughs> we got the, we got we got a few fun snakes too. So yeah, there's there's no shortage of snakes in this part. So of the world. between the heat and the humidity and the snakes, I mean, really, the only reason to live there is like Waterburger and Tex Mex. Is that's all I can feel. <laughs> all right, yeah. Get some good barbecue. They're okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, okay. I, I want to talk about the Christ Key, y- your new book with fifteen uh, seventeen, um. We talk a lot about gospel centrality on this on this podcast. It's 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 one of the premises of uh, what we try to do here. Of the, you know the ministry that I try to conduct as as well. One of the primary implications of gospel centrality, of course, is that the whole Bible is about Jesus, not just the New Testament, but the whole Bible is all about Jesus. So, just as kind of a background or kind of setup for talking about your new book, do you find personally? As you travel, because you travel a lot to speak, not just to adventure, but to speak and preach in different places and that sort of thing. 
Um, do you find that that idea is as um, revolutionary or as, you know, maybe controversial, I guess would be the word, a statement today that the whole Bible is about Jesus today as it would have been or was five or 10 years ago? Do you think people are like, the is the wind changing? I guess I'm asking. Yeah, sometimes I, I, I get... I get a feeling that maybe some of that is happening, that uh, there are enough voices out there who are talking about the fact that Christ is the center of the gospel, the center of, of the entirety of the scriptures, that you know, it's beginning to, to sink in and people are beginning to, to look for that more. Uh, you know, it, it kind of depends on where you're at, too. You know, some people are going to hear that more, more sure. than others. Sometimes when I, you know, when I talk about that, uh, people are just, they've never thought about that before. Or, or maybe they're, since I talk so much about the Old Testament, most of the time, my impression is that people will be like, oh, yeah, of course, the New Testament is all about Jesus. It's focused on the gospel. And the Old Testament is treated as kind of this long and kind of weird, wild, ancient introduction, pr- prelude to the real stuff, which, right, is, right. which is in the New Testament. So, uh, I mean, basically what I do is try and debunk that particular understanding of the Old Testament. And so I'll say, yes, the, the New Testament is about Christ and the gospel. But as it turns out, the Old Testament is as well. And that quote that you read at the beginning in, in introduce, introducing me, that, that kind of sums up the approach that I have. I want to say, listen, when, when Jesus was preaching and when his first disciples were, were preaching, the Bible they preached wasn't, they didn't turn to Romans. You know, they didn't open the, the Gospel of Matthew. They just preached from Isaiah or the Psalms or Genesis or whatever it might be. And what they were preaching was the Gospel. And they were preaching this from Deuteronomy and the Psalms and Isaiah and Jeremiah and everywhere else. So why don't we do the same? Mm. And I think part of the reason we don't is because it is such a weird world to us that it takes a while to kind of get used to the, the rhythms and the accents and the strangeness of the Old Testament so that we begin to, to understand, yeah, this is, this is talking about Jesus and the gospel in a different sort of way, a, different, a way that seems odd to us, but to... To first century followers of Christ, this would have been their native tongue by which they understood what grace means, what mercy means. Well, I, I want to tease that out just for a second. This wasn't in my, in my question to ask because you said something I think that's an important distinction, if, if I understand you correctly, because I think even today, well, first of all, I think you're right that um, there is some change, but uh, in terms of just evangelical, you know, evangelical culture, I think this is catching on, so to speak, but you know, you're, you know, obviously when you preach in a church, you know, you have somebody who comes up to you like, I've never heard that before. <laughs> right. Or yes, right. Yeah. I, I think, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of evangelicals and, you know, I'm speaking from the Baptist world. Um, a lot of, a lot of, you know, Baptists have kind of a, a functional, you know, Marcionism maybe, or like the Old oh, Testament, sure. in the Old yeah. Testament, God is angry, but you know, thankfully we have the New Testament where he was, was, is nice now because of Jesus. And so, like you know, yeah, the mood change exactly, exactly, <laughs> and they yeah. see it as kind of this yin and yang sort of thing. But one thing that you just mentioned that I want you to tease out is so today to bring up the idea of preaching Christ from the Old Testament. Some, I think, for a lot of people who even would agree with it, they're saying, okay, but you're making this sort of interpretive um, leap or connection. Um, you're doing some sort of analogical work or maybe allegorical work or something like that. What you're saying is different, right? I mean, or if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying the gospel is there in the Old Testament. Yeah. So tease right. that yeah, out a little absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Uh, what, here's the way I like to to think about it. So 
we'll just begin kind of with what people know, what most people know best. They know the New Testament. Okay, so how does the New Testament talk about the gospel? How does it present the good news? Well, in, in a variety of different ways, right? Sometimes it'll, you go, you go to Hebrews, which, by the way, is the best and cheapest commentary in the Old Testament. That's right, that you exactly. don't have to buy. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you go to Hebrews. And primarily the way that the gospel is presented there is in a Leviticus sort of way. So you've got Christ the priest, you've got Christ the sacrifice, you've got all of this very sacrificial language that's used. That's one way of talking about the gospel. You can also talk about the gospel in the way that you read it, for instance, in, the, in, in Matthew, where Matthew kind of takes the, the template of the life of Moses and uses that as a pattern to describe who Jesus is. He's the guy who has to flee from the wrath of a king. He goes to Egypt. He comes back. He is feeding people in the wilderness. He's doing all these Moses-type things. So that's the way that that, Mo, that Matthew kind of couches the gospel of Jesus in this in this Moses using this Moses sort of pattern. Luke does it differently. You get to Romans, of course. All this talk about justification, so on and so forth. So in the New Testament itself, you got a, a multiple uh, multiple approaches to talking about the gospel. Now, what I would argue is that all of these particular approaches to talking about Jesus and the gospel in the New Testament, the, the substructure of all of those is in the Old Testament. So if you want to talk about Christ as, for instance, uh, the Passover sacrifice or our Passover, of course, well, that's drawn directly from, from Exodus. Hebrews is doing nothing more than building upon the work primarily of Leviticus. If you want to talk about justification, as Paul does in Romans, well, what does what is Paul always going back to when he's in Romans? He's going back to Genesis. He's talking about Abraham believing. We're talking about Abraham and Sarah. Or he's quoting from David in the Psalms. So all of the New Testament authors, whether the four evangelists or Paul or Peter or John, really what they're doing is they're, they're not starting their, their gospel proclamation or their Christology from scratch. They're building upon the foundation that, that's already there. Mm. So when we go to the Old Testament and we read about Abraham believing in the Lord and being credited to him as righteousness, or we read about the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16, or we read in Exodus 12 about the Passover, really what we're already seeing is God revealing the various ways by which he shows grace and mercy to sinners in order that they might be forgiven and made right with him. And all of this then is the Old Testament's way of presenting to us a God whose heart is just overflowing with love and mercy in which he wants to forgive sinners, bring them to repentance, forgive sinners, and then bring them into a relationship with him. So that's, that's the, the God we're presented with in the Old Testament is the same God, of course, that we're presented with in the New Testament. It just, it's a different way in which he approaches his people. In the Old Testament, you have him with the covenant. You have him with the people of Israel. You have a focus upon the, the temple and so forth. Well, all of that is then going to bleed over into the New Testament and be presented in a maybe a different sort of way, but it's the same kind of same kind of grace structure that we find in both testaments. Mm. I want to, uh, brother, present a scenario to you, something that that comes up a, a little bit, and, and and get your response to it. So. What you're describing is, I guess it's a way of reading the Old Testament, but it, it, it's not quite that. The way a lot of people look at preaching Christ from the Old Testament is they look at it as a, like it's an approach to the Old Testament or a way to you know, preach the Old Testament. And it hinges on what you think the New Testament preachers are doing, what the apostles are doing, 
or, or even Jesus himself unfurling the scroll, Isaiah and whatever, but in particular the apostles, are they um, simply, um, you know, making a connection between Christ and an Old Testament, or, you know, what we call the Old Testament text, because of some divine revelation that they are receiving, the Holy Spirit is inspiring them to see that. And, and, and this is what I've been told um, by those who object to this approach, you know, because I would say, no, you preach Christ in, from every text. They would say, we're not given a hermeneutic. So if there's not a clear New Testament reference to the Old Testament text, um, you, you're not free then. You're not given a hermeneutic by them. You're given the specific examples by them that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. We are not inspired by the Holy Spirit, at least not in that same way. We don't have the special revelation. Um, therefore, we're not free now to kind of discover these things on our own without a clear, explicit New Testament connection. R- respond to that if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, I feel like I've been responding to that most of my life. <laughs> Good. Well, then you're well, pre- you're well prepared for this for this moment. It's all been leading to this. <laughs> yeah, uh, as it still happens when when I went to seminary back in the, back in the day, thirty years ago, uh, our faculty was somewhat divided. I mean, it wasn't like it was a serious issue, but you would hear from some who would say basically that. Listen, and this was mainly about prefiguration or typology. Yes. They'd say, listen, if unless you have an explicit New Testament text saying. A corresponds to B, then you can't make that connection because what if you're wrong? What if you're reading something into that text that wasn't there? So what I use the way that I usually answer that is listen, okay, first of all, what does what does Jesus to begin with, most importantly, what does he say about the Old Testament? What does it what does he say it says about him? And then how is that echoed and repeated and perhaps enlarged upon by his followers? Well, of course, there's no doubt what Jesus said, because we have that in the Gospel of Luke. We have that in the whole, of course, famous Emmaus uh, disciple conversation where he begins with Moses all the way through the Old Testament to talk about the things concerning himself. And then I don't have the text in front of me, but if you look in in, in Acts at the, the sermons of Peter, I think it's either three or four times. He uses the phrase, all the prophets, all the prophets announced these days, all the prophets talked about this, all the prophets beforehand spoke of this. So the the approach we have from Jesus, first of all, and then from from Peter, and of course we could go to other texts that that say or imply the same thing, is that listen when you're when you're reading the Tanakh, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, and when you're reading what we call the Old Testament, then you're going to be in one way or another seeing the witness of Christ. So look for it, hmm. <laughs> and what what you're doing, I would argue that the examples we have, like. Moses lifting up the the serpent in the wilderness, or Paul talking about uh, the Red Sea, or all the the tabernacle things that Hebrews talks about, all of those are instructing us on how we should read everything within the Old Testament, not just those specific examples, but but everything else. So that, for instance, just to give an example, uh, we know that of course Christ is the son of David, and we have that promise in Second Samuel seven that. A seed of David is going to sit on the throne. It's going to be the Messiah. And we have, of course, some other examples about this David-Jesus connection, such as his hometown of Bethlehem. So are there other examples in the life of Jesus? I mean, excuse me, in the life of David, where we see some sort of patterning of Christ? And I would say, yes. And what I like to turn to there are the Psalms, Psalms which Jesus will quote in reference to himself, like Psalm 41 or others, that are connected to events in the life of David. But there's not any kind of like explicit verse that says, 
hey, when this happened to David, it was a type or a prefigurement of what was going to happen to Jesus. But the fact that Jesus quotes the psalm in reference to himself, and the psalm concerns something that happened in the life of David, it's not a huge step to connect these two and say, listen, this is this the psalm is, as it were, interpreting poetically what happened to David. Jesus then quotes this in reference to himself. So we just follow this from A to B to C, and we see how whatever happened in the life of David is a, a pattern by which we can understand who Jesus is. Yeah, but I mean, that's, a, that's still a, a connection. You can see there's a cross-reference there. Um, right. Yeah. When, yeah. when there's not, a, a, ref, you know, there's not um, a reference in the New Testament to a particular Old Testament text, the argument then is we are not free to, um, you know, create our own interpretation or, re, you know, preach Christ from that because we don't have explicit New Testament license. But I agree with you. They're not just giving us, um, you know, those direct instances. We, we are given a, uh, an interpret, you know, a way of reading the Old Testament. Um, yeah. You know, I'm guessing what you're calling the key. You know, we're, we're shown how to unlock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know what the Old Testament actually means. So the concern that so, what's you know someone say is, well, you're kind of jumping over the text now. Um, you know, you're not preaching the Old Testament text. You're you're preaching your interpretation of it above or beyond. You know, um, you're preaching it as it lies, I guess, so to speak. Um, and you know, so I was meeting with a um, a student earlier today. He's he's doing an independent study on on preaching, and I'm his his field supervisor. And he was asking questions related about this, about um, allegorizing, about, you know, um, he says, you know, so if we're given a hermeneutic, um, you know, as, as, as you would say, uh, he, he was saying to me, um, then I see Paul in Galatians allegorizing with Hagar, you know, does that mean that, that I can do that? And th this is your opportunity to correct me, Chad, but um, I basically said, I don't think it's the first tool in the toolkit. <laughs> But it may be at the bottom, like you've exhausted every other, you know, connection. I, I sort of think about, I don't know if you're familiar with Spurgeon's story about, you know, every text has a road to Christ or whatever. And if he had, yes, if, if yeah. he can't, he's never found a text that doesn't, but if he ever does, he will make one. That's kind of where I'm at. It's like, <laughs> if you're at the point where like, I, okay, I've, I've got to get at Jesus. That's the last tool in the. In, in in the toolkit. But the concern in then, of course, is that you're not preaching the text as it lies. You're you're preaching your interpretation of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I do think there's ways that uh in fact I did this not very not very long ago, that you can you can, as it were, tell people, listen, I'm not saying that if you do some really fine exegetical work that you're gonna find Christ in this passage, or you're gonna find some kind of intertextual connection between this passage and something in the New Testament. I'm not saying that. I am saying, hey, isn't it interesting how what's happening in this particular situation in the Old Testament is some way analogous to what happens in the life of yes. Christ? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, I mean, you can kind of uh I'm not you can you can say it in such a way where listen I'm I'm not going to die on this hill I'm not going to die on this exegetical hill and say this 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 text is specifically about Jesus but I am saying look look at the way God sets this up look at the way the Spirit has inspired these scriptures this scenario is very similar to what happens in the in the life of Jesus so we can homiletically connect these two even if we don't do it in some sort of very specific objective exegetical sort of way then. Yeah, we could do it in a homiletical way, whether that happens, you know, in an allegorical sense or or some other kind of using the same 
thematic parallels, perhaps, between these two passages. Yeah, that's good. I mean, what I encounter most of the time is people who, if, if, if they're going to lean one direction or the other, it's in the direction of, <laughs> of not really looking hard enough as to how they can preach Christ yes. as an Old Testament text instead of the, instead of, I rarely, in other words, I rarely find people who are reading too much of Jesus into the Old Testament. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> it's, you're it doesn't right. seem to be our problem No, today. no, no. I think you're right. Um, tell me about the process of the book. How, do, how does it journey? What, how's the book organized? What are you doing as you kind of, as the reader progresses through the book, what are you doing step by step? Yeah, so it's, a, it's very, uh, it's ordered thematically. So my, my opening chapter, I, I talk a lot about how there's a layering in the scriptures. You have your, your, what I call the Torah foundation, which is built upon Joshua and Judges and so forth. And of course, later you have the prophets and the Psalms and all this added. And one of the, one of the main features of the book is I'm wanting to demonstrate that already, for instance, in Isaiah, we have Isaiah reading earlier scriptures, for instance, the book of Judges, in which already he so this isn't New Testament. This is already in the Old Testament. People like Isaiah or Jeremiah or Daniel, others, they're already interpreting the scriptures. Of course, we, you know, we talk about how scripture interprets scripture, which, which is true. But one of the things that often happens is the, the Old Testament prophets are interpreting earlier writings. And what's fascinating for me anyway is how they will interpret these in what we would call a, a Christ-centered sort of way. So, for instance, in Isaiah 11. He's talking about the Messiah, but he's talking about him in, in connection with David, you know, two or three centuries before then. Or he's talking about him in reference to Gideon in the day of Midian, uh, and some other examples too. So I talk about the laying in the scriptures, how this, this interpretation builds over time. And then I shift to talk about how Christ is foreshadowed in various figures, such as Melchizedek, who's a favorite of mine. I did my master's thesis on Melchizedek. Oh, so wow. I've got. I got plenty of material there, uh, or David, or Gideon, or or Noah, some others. So I'll, I'll talk about these what we traditionally refer to as types, individual types of of Messiah. But then I also spend a significant amount of time talking about how Christ will appear as the the messenger of the Lord in the Old Testament, or he's sometimes referred to as uh, the Word, the Glory. Uh, these these other well, sometimes called angelomorphic uh, manifestations. Uh, in the Old Testament of Christ actually coming and appearing to people. Of course, the most famous of those is Exodus 3 in the burning bush. So I talk about a number of those, uh, build upon some graduate work that I did uh, years ago in that, on that particular theme. And then the rest of them develop how Christ is related to new creation ideas mm. or how he's connected to the, the tabernacle and you know, some of the festivals and certainly all the aspects of the tabernacle furnishing, such as the altar and the Ark of the Covenant, menorah, and and so forth. And then kind of, I guess you could say, woven throughout all of these is what I consider to be, if there is a main feature of Christ in the Old Testament, it is all Exodus connected, huh. whether the individual events of the Exodus or, as you'll often read in people like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, the Messianic era is described as an ex, a, a repeat and an expansion and a universalizing of what happened in the Exodus. So the days of the Messiah are often featured as the Messiah, the son of David, coming to bring people home from not just Egypt, but from the four corners of the earth. So there is this idea of the son of David comes and he gathers everybody, everyone to himself. And when the prophets talk that way, 
they're lifting material from Exodus or from other parts of the Torah to describe what's going to happen in the future in terms of what happens, what happens in the past. And of course, this then is just leading directly into the appropriation by the evangelist of all this Exodus stuff that we find uh, in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, where they're talking about who Jesus is in terms of the Exodus. Yeah. You um, promise in the um, the book copy that I read in the introduction here um, that we'll see Leviticus as a book of grace. Can you give us sort of the Cliff Notes version of this? How should we read Leviticus? Put the latrine, you know, so many yards up. <laughs> Why read Leviticus as a book of grace, man? Yeah. So uh, the, the simple answer to that is you you read you read Leviticus in the same way that the author of Hebrews read Leviticus. So you okay. can look at it kind of a, a a big perspective. Okay, what what's the tabernacle and the priesthood and the sacrifices? What are those all about? Of course, they're they're all about leading into our great high priest Christ, who is the Word made flesh, who tabernacled among us, whose body is our new temple, and who offered himself as the sacrifice for us on the cross. So that's kind of the the big perspective. But then when you get down to some of the individual features, the various sacrifices, whether sin or guilt or peace offerings, all of these in one way or another are are different perspectives on what the cross does for us. You look at what the the priests do, everything from the prayers they pray to the the vestments they wear to the sacrifices they offer. All of these are leading us to a, a fuller and a richer understanding of what the what the priesthood of Jesus is all about. And just the, all the various furnishings in the tabernacle, beginning from the altar, working our way into the Holy of Holies. All of these are like, like different aspects of, of a diamond. They're presenting different ways of looking exactly what the sacrifice of Jesus means, what his ministry means. So they're, they're filling in our, our, our understanding of, of who the Messiah is. So what I like to say is that books like Leviticus will help us to not to, to underread the New Testament, but to read out the fullness that is there as it's talking about everything that, that Jesus is and everything that he's done for, for us. Awesome. Um, we have a lot of pastors, but also um, lay leaders, just, you know, mature lady leaders who listen to the podcast. Tell us who the book is for. How'd you, you know, write it to be used, I guess, by, uh, you know, yeah, by the, the brethren? Yeah, I... I, I Try and walk that tightrope between uh, speaking to lay people who are, are 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 serious about understanding the scriptures. They're they're students of the word, and they they really want to to grow in their understanding of exactly what the scriptures are all about. So I wrote it for them, but I also wrote it in such a way that people who are pastors, people who are teachers, will be able to to use this. That's kind of my target audience uh, all the time. I don't write for, strictly speaking, the scholarly world. Of course, I drew. I do draw from their resources, yeah. but my main audience is, yeah, they're people who are in active ministry. They're teaching people in the congregations. They're preaching week after week, or you know, they're they're in Bible study. They they really want to understand, like you said, they want to understand Leviticus. Yeah, how's this? How's this about Jesus? Well, this is a this is a guide that's going to lead you in the direction of understanding exactly how all of these books, in one way or another, are talking about how. Christ is a fulfillment and the fullness of the of scriptures. One thing I've always appreciated about you, Chad, we, you know, we've, we've done a few events together over the last 
two, three years, I guess. Um, one thing I've always appreciated about um, your speaking and, and, and your writing as well, but especially your preaching and speaking, is you have such a significant scholarship behind what you're doing, um, you know, and flipping through the book, you, you know, yesterday, you know, you've, you've, it's not an academic book, but the, the you know, the footnotes are pretty, uh, you know, significant. You're drawing on some really significant, you know, significant sources. So I appreciate it. But you always put the grace down low where, where people like me can, you know, can grab it. Um, yeah. And so it, it has such a, I'm, I'm sure a, not just a, uh, a scholar's uh, wisdom there, but just a brotherly, fatherly, pastoral, um, you know, tenor to it. So I think it'll be a great blessing. Brother, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. The book is called The Christ Key, Unlocking the Centrality of Christ in the Old Testament. It's available from 1517 Publishers, wherever good books are sold. If you enjoy the podcast, dear listener, please share us with your friends. Give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, wherever you listen to this podcast, give us a good review. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.